This is a 40 Guard Threat Intelligence Podcast, episode 11. I'm Alex Harvey. And I'm Douglas Santos. And with that today, we've got some pretty good topics. We've got Bleeding Bit, which is the BOE denial of service attack. Um, Port Smash, which is the hyper-threading attack. And our side channel hyper-threading attack. And then the Android malware and Google Play. Again, the set targeting Brazil. Yep. And with that, Bleeding Bit. So Bleeding Bit is a denial of service and a remote code execution in the firmware in TI Bluetooth Low Energy chipsets, primarily the mm-hmm. CC2640 and the CC2650, um, which are used in a lot of enterprise access points. Mm-hmm. So most major vendors were affected by this. Most of them have already released patches. I think all of them have released patches at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but this is essentially in the actual TI chip that was being used, there was a vulnerability in the RCE, well, basically a remote code execution and a denial of service attack that mm-hmm. could have been perpetrated against them. Um, and these are not in, they're used in the devices, but they're not the device's firmware itself being mm-hmm. vulnerable, it's the BLE being vulnerable. Um, the interesting thing is they needed proximity to the access points to be able mm-hmm. to do the attack, because you need to be between or within BLE range, mm-hmm. which is about 15 meters max, um, unless you're using some really like fancy antennas. Um, but yeah, no, it affects a lot of different devices. Luckily, there's mm-hmm. a firmware update for them that usually uh, updating the firmware in that chip that can be done by the host device, yeah. which fixes the vulnerability. Yeah, as Alex was talking to you guys, uh, there are two vulnerabilities. Uh, one is the remote code execution vulnerability that exists on the on the vulnerable t- Texas instrument chips that is embedded embedded in many devices. And the other one uh, is a over-the-air firmware download. It's basically a feature from Texas Instruments that allows you to uh, do a firmware upgrade over BLE. But f- to do that, you have to have access to an administrator password that is embedded into the firmware. So if you are able to reverse engineer the firmware, we'll be able to extract the password and use the password to remotely uh, upgrade the firmware to a malicious code that of your yeah. choosing, right? So yeah, those I mean those 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 devices are everywhere. According yeah. to the research, they represent seventy percent of the market. Yeah, and the denial of service was related mm-hmm. to the same set, right? Yeah. Um, and just for the RC to make it clear, it's remote code execution on yes. the TI chip, chip. not exactly. on the actual host. So they're used as like a secondary coprocessor or BLE mm-hmm. um, as software-defined radio chipset. They run their own little area and then they communicate back to the host device um, CPU. And the RC, the remote code execution, is on the TI side. It is not on the host device. Um, It does mean that there's the possibility there of you trying to go from the TI chip to the host. There could be Um, some security measures in place. Yeah, there might be some security measures in place, plus Mm -hmm. you'd need to know a lot more, and it's gonna be a lot of research Mm -hmm. before someone could jump that gap. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, obviously, there's a patch out, so that should resolve most of that exposure. Yeah. So anyways, it's an interesting one mainly because it's targeting a relatively small chip that's embedded in a lot of devices. Mm-hmm. Again, it's one of those things it's where... mostly overlooked, right? Most yeah. people don't even know there's something there. But there's firmware there, yeah. yeah. We don't even think about it, right? When you're doing yeah. a security audit, you're going to audit the host. You're never going to audit the little you know, BLE adapter yeah. that's built into it. Yeah, and it's something that's being increasingly being used by uh, healthcare, uh, healthcare yep. industry, retail industry. You're starting to see those BLE chips everywhere, right? Yeah. So, it's something to think about it. Yeah, and TI is the largest manufacturer. Mm-hmm. The NRF's uh, Nordic mm-hmm. um, Semiconductors is the another mm-hmm. big vendor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's only a handful of different vendors that make these all-in-one embedded chips. So that's uh, you know kind of a security risk with that one. Yeah. 
Then we have port smash, which is a timing side channel attack against hyper threading. Poor Intel and AMD cannot catch a break. <laughs> Every time they're like, yeah, we're out of the woods, nope. and another nope. one shows up. <laughs> so it's been tested against Intel. Mm -hmm. um, Skylake and primarily is, I think, the one they were using during the research phase. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't tested against AMD, but theoretically it should apply to AMD as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's another side channel attack. Yeah, um, yeah. So this one is from a researcher in Finland and a researcher in Cuba mm -hmm. um, that co-worked to that worked together to find the vulnerability, and it's related to the hyperthreading feature. So hyperthreading is where you take one CPU and essentially have two virtual versions of it. Mm -hmm. um, basically, it allows Intel and AMD to actually more efficiently utilize the core that they have. So one part of the operation might be affecting floating point because it's using floating point, mm -hmm. but another operation might only be integer. So instead of having to wait for the floating point operation mm -hmm. to finish before it can do the integer operation, because those ALU and the FPU, the floating point and FPU are different, um, what ends up happening is it can run one operation on one while it's running the other operation on the other. Mm -hmm. So essentially they can better utilize their cores if you want. There's a lot more to it, that's the oversimplified version yes. of it, but hyperthreading allows them to essentially boost performance. Mm -hmm. um, when they first came out with it, it was like 30 or 40%. This was years ago, right? Yeah. Um, the stats really haven't changed that much in terms of what the effectiveness is. It's like a 30 or 40% boost over not mm -hmm. having it. Um, Intel still has a series of CPUs that don't have hyperthreading. A lot of the, um, the i3s, like the lower generations or lower versions of their CPUs don't typically have hyperthreading. Um, and, but all the higher end stuff, all the i5s, i7s, i9s, all of them come with hyperthreading. Mm -hmm. And in the Xeon world, the server world from Intel, um, I believe their lowest, lowest series of Xeon do not have um, hyperthreading, but everything above that comes with it. Mm -hmm. So now they have like the silver, gold, and platinum, and all of those come with it. Believe that the lower end ones don't, but I think it actually varies depending on the model numbers that you're using. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and by using this kind of uh, new newly found vulnerability, attackers were able to to recover private encryption keys from a neighboring SSL processes. Yeah. Right. The only thing, the only caveat is that the process must be running on the same CPU as the malicious code that's gonna be trying to understand yeah. and and target this side side channel attack. Yeah, and it, it's, that's one of the things is CPU affinity is usually not controlled by the application. It's usually controlled by the operating mm -hmm. system, which means that that kind of limits some of the risk there. Not ideal, but it does mm -hmm. limit some of the risk. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is the Ryzen CPUs, which are the AMD versions, are most likely vulnerable. It's just not known mm -hmm. yet. Um, they theorize that it would be. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no public information whether Intel is trying to patch this or yeah. anything. The only public information that I found, at least so far, is that fixes to open SSL has been proposed in a in a in attempt to mitigate against this yeah, type of to limit the damage, yeah. but nothing nothing else. On yeah, it, on there's it. not a lot yeah. else on it yeah. other than it's been kind of announced, but mm -hmm. the details have not been given. Yeah, yeah. So it'll Let's be wait on that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting because the last time something like this happened, they ended up finding other vulnerabilities yeah. similar to the original one, but not yeah. the original one. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if we see more side channel attacks. But we've seen a lot of side channel attacks this year, probably I think dozens of them yeah. um, come out that are very similar to ones that have been done or targeting different subsections of the CPU. So mm -hmm. it's interesting because before these were theorized and then all of a sudden someone opened the gates and it's, it's basically been, yeah, we've been running through them endlessly for the past <laughs> couple of months. Yeah. Android malware and Google Play Store. So again, we have Android malware in the Google Play Store. This is targeting uh, Brazilian users mm -hmm. more specifically at the moment. 
Um, so it's three different apps. Yes. Uh, yes. One of them that's looking at Facebook profiles, essentially tricking mm -hmm. you to, if you download it, it will allow you to see who's seen your Facebook profile. Yeah. We all know that's... <laughs> yeah, that's when they get downloads. <laughs> yeah. um, another one is uh, basically a clean... Uh, Droid. Clean Droid, yeah. so basically tricking users into, hey, if you download it, it can mm -hmm. help clean malware off your phone. Yeah, speed up your internet yeah, access, speed up your all, phone. all kinds of fake promises. All kinds of fake promises. <laughs> and then the last one is a coupon app, yeah. Max Coupon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, some of these are in Portuguese, so they're obviously targeting that market space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, to stay under the radar, the app can only be downloaded from the Brazilian app store, so it's yeah. not everywhere as well. And it's obviously targeting credential harvesting on popular Brazilian apps such as uh, Banco Itaú, Banco Santander, and some others like social media, yeah. uh, Facebook, even uh, Uber, and some other applications that may have uh, financial or more personalized information. Yeah. They're targeting 26, uh, harvesting from 26 yeah. different applications. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting, we keep seeing these show up in the Android um, store, and it's mm -hmm. just one of those things that just seems to keep happening. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be going away anytime no. soon, right? And then, yeah, and then oftentimes, as he says, it's regionalized, mm -hmm. right? Because by regionalizing it, they're reducing the exposure. Of course, makes sense. Right? It's only sense. a much smaller sec section of people mm -hmm. that will ever see the application. Mm -hmm. um, and between all three, they're looking at like about 12,000 downloads at the moment, mm -hmm. um, which is, it's substantial. It's substantial, um, yeah. Especially, especially if, you're, if you're only considering Brazil, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a relatively smaller market space. Yeah. Um, they have been pulled from the store, obviously. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's one of those things that seems to be a reoccurring theme is that it gets posted to the Google Store. Yeah, yeah. So um, just one of the differences between the Google Play Store and the uh, Apple Store, at least there's a fundamental difference in the philosophies about how they do it, is Google is much more willing to post things and open it up, and once there's complaints, they pull it down, whereas Apple does a lot more reviewing and in-depth um, investigation and looking mm -hmm. how stuff works before they allow the release. Mm -hmm. um, the downside to the Apple approach is that oftentimes the developers have no idea what's going on or things get held up and it takes forever for their stuff to get launched. And that's not to say that Apple hasn't like let things through that are controversial or have issues. Um, but on the Google side with less layers in place, um, the developers get more insight in terms of what happens, but at the same time there's a lot more stuff that sneaks its way onto the store that shouldn't be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So pros and cons to both stores, but definitely one of those things to be very aware of that what you're downloading comes from something like a major company or a major known source and not something completely random. Yeah, and be aware of uh, promises that seem to be yeah. <laughs> too, too good, good to, to be, be true. true. Yeah. <laughs> it most likely is. <laughs> yeah. And with that, guys, have a good one. Thank you, guys. See you next time.